Good morning to you all. Thank you for, for being here again. And um, yeah, a lot has happened since last Sunday, and yet the same greeting is still true and appropriate. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody expected to lose a beloved queen this week. As a German, monarchy is something that um, I watch from a distance and many Germans are fascinated by it. But living here, this feels quite different. And so I want to express my condolences and my sympathy to you. Even in this time of emotional turmoil, this is true. Grace and peace from God to you. God can give us grace and peace in these tough times. God is greater than our circumstances. His peace surpasses our understanding. Today I want to encourage us all to praise the Lord for what he has done. I believe that's what Paul did in, the, in this passage. While sitting in a prison, being chained to a Roman guard, unsure of his immediate, immediate future, resting in what God had in had done for him in Christ. And as Ben already said, this passage is one long sentence from verse 3 to verse 14. And so we'll be starting at the beginning to make sense of it all. Paul starts this passage by praising God. Blessing can also be translated as praising. The whole sentence is about God who is worthy of all our praise and adoration. Here's a quote by John Stott. A gateway a golden chain, a kaleidoscope, a snowball, a racehorse, an operatic overture, and the flight of an eagle. All these are metaphors in these different ways. They describe the impression of colour, movement and grandeur which this sentence makes on the reader's mind. This sentence is like a tsunami of praise. And I hope that when you go back home today, we feel overwhelmed by God's goodness and by God's glorious and generous grace. So let's dive into this tsunami of blessings that comes in Christ. God the Father blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Spiritual blessings are eternal. They will never fade, never disappear. And all these blessings come in Christ. There's no other way to get to these blessings. Jesus claims in John 14 verse 6, I am the way the truth and the life. No one will come to the Father but through me. All these blessings that we're going to talk about are in him. We need to be in him if we want to receive those blessings. Read through the passage and find all the in hymns, the in Christ's and the in the beloved. In him is the place to be. Highlight them throughout the letter and it's amazing how many you can find. In him like in Noah's ark or in Rahab's house. Before the flood, Noah preached to the people and they could have listened and joined him on the ark and they would have been chosen to survive too. But they didn't. Only Noah and his immediate family were saved. God chose the vessel of salvation and opened up for everyone who would listen. Rahab, the prostitute of Jericho, called her friends and family to come to her house to be saved from destruction of her city. Only those who believed her were saved and received the blessing of traveling with and even joining the Israelites. Rahab even became part of the lineage of Jesus because of her faith. God chose the place of salvation and opened it up to anyone who would listen. All these blessings we're going to talk, we are going to talk about are true of us if we are in Christ. 
anyone who listens to God's call to repentance and faith in Christ's sacrifice, the good news that there is someone who can save is in Christ. And by faith, all those blessings can be yours too. We will see the tsunami has three waves. The first being the blessing of the Father. The second, the blessing in the Son. And the third, the blessing from the Spirit. So let's start with verse 4. Even as he chose him, us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God the Father decided that he will save anyone who is in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are a chosen one. God chose those who believe him. Before the foundation of the world, God chose those who are in Christ to live a life of holiness and blamelessness before him. God had chosen Paul, even Paul, who calls himself chief of sinners, and you and me, those who believe. That doesn't make us better than any, other neighbor, than any of our neighbors. To live a holy life means to live a life that is set apart for a purpose. Because we are in Christ, our lives have a different purpose than everyone else in this world. We are not just here to work, get rich and die. We are set apart to represent God on earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ in this world. What an honor! We get to be representatives of God and His kingdom on earth. With great honor comes great responsibility. We are set apart from the rest of the world and we are to live blameless lives. And I can tell you that there is much in my life that is blameworthy. I am not able to live a blameless life, but Jesus lived it. In Christ I am called to live a blameless life, and by faith in Him I can. If you are in Christ today, you are chosen. Praise God for it. Continue on to verse 5. In love He predestined us for the adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. We who are in Christ are predestinated, predestined to be placed in the place of sons. We are not only ambassadors who represent God's kingdom somewhere. No, we are also placed in the position of sons. We who were slaves to sin because we lived in it and couldn't help ourselves but give ourselves over to sin and fall ever deeper, deeper into it are now in Christ because we believed his good news and are adopted as sons, not because we were better than our neighbors, but because God wanted it. God wanted to show his glorious grace, and that's why he did it. God wanted the entire world to praise him for his goodness and generosity, which are so glorious that the only thing left to do is praise him for his glorious grace. God made us like his son because his son became like us. Jesus took our place like the lamb that was brought to the sacrifice in place of the sinner. Where the sinner said, I know that I deserve this death penalty, but God gave me a way out of this. And that's this lamb that is going to die in my place. Equally, Jesus makes us accept acceptable to God. In him we are chosen like he is, and we, be we come into a similar position as he is. As sons, God has blessed us with this in the Beloved. Matthew 3.17 says, God speaks 
and says to his son at his baptism, This is my beloved son in whom all I am well pleased. We become beloved ones when we are beloved, when we are in the beloved. How beautiful. God places us based on our belief in what Christ has done for us in the beloved one. What glorious grace. Blessings of the Son. In verse 7 it says, In him we have redemption through his blood. In him, here's this phrase again, in him we have redemption. We were slaves to sin. Jesus says in John 8, 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. We were in a bad place, sin, slaves of sin, under God's judgment for the sin that we had committed against him. But through his blood we were redeemed, as previously explained with the sacrificial lamb who redeemed the person bringing the sacrifice. In Christ we have redemption, in the one we have sinned against all our lives, and through his blood that was spilt on the cross of Calvary, we were redeemed. God accepted the payment, and we are free from our old slave's master, the sin, and we are free from the judgment and wrath of God that we deserved. Is that not something to be happy about and to praise Jesus for? We continue in verse 7, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Not only are we redeemed from our dire situation, but God also forgave us. He placed our sins and the, their memory in the deepest place of the sea, and he's not intending on ever getting it out. In Christ, God sees us as if we haven't sinned. He knows our past better than we, but he chooses not to go diving in the deep sea, because Jesus forgave those sins. Speak of reasons to praise God the Son. Let's read verse 7 again. And it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Again, we come across God's grace. Earlier Paul called it the glorious grace. This time, Grace is lavished on us like a waterfall, an endless, powerful, superabounding tsunami. God redeemed us and forgave us, not because of our great personality and life, but because of the superabounding riches of His grace. There's nothing that is greater than His grace. There's no sin too great, there's no trespass too far. There's always grace that is so much greater, waiting to forgive and to redeem. God is good. God's grace is glorious and superabounding. It's a tsunami of goodness and grace. God shows how rich in grace he is. He saves everyone who will turn to him and repent of his sin. Nothing you have done is greater than God's wealth of grace. And because God is so good, he not only redeems us, forgives us and leaves us, he shows us what he intends to do with this world. Let's read verse 7 to verse 10. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. God plans to unite 
all nations and of the world and even all things and honestly i have no idea what it will look like but i know one thing and paul will come to this later in chapter 2 describing how god united the jews and the gentiles only god can bring nations together in christ we are all one praise god for his ultimate wisdom and insight to tell us what he has planned for the world so that we can join him in his mission verse 11 says in 12 in him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in christ might be to the praise of his glory in christ we have obtained an inheritance we his enemies his debtors are now heirs in christ how would god ever share with us what is his only in christ who is his son through whom he shows his gloriously rich grace god did that on purpose he works all things according to the counsel of his will this wasn't a quick decision that he just felt like in the moment he predestined those in christ for the purpose that they would praise his glory he deliberately chose and predestined all who are in christ to be redeemed forgiven united and now also partakers of the inheritance to show how great his glorious grace is it is glorious he is glorious he didn't just pour enough grace on us to cover our sins he lavished us with it that we may praise him paul speaks here of those who were first put in who first put their hope in christ it may be that they were jews as some translations interpreted to be i'd suggest another um, interpretation because even in the gospels we see that there were jews and also gentiles who believed I think maybe Paul is referring to people who were saved prior to the Ephesians. And those who put their hope in Christ would praise him so much that those around him, around them can't but want to know who this glorious God is, who is so rich in grace that he would forgive the worst of the worst sinners and redeem the unredeemable. And what a challenge that is for us today. Live your lives praising God so loud that those around us want to know who this glorious god is god is good jesus blessed us with redemption forgiveness and even an inheritance in him come to the blessings of the spirit verse 13 and 14 in him we were sealed with the holy spirit so let's read from verse 13 in him you also who heard the word of the truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him was sealed with the promised holy spirit who is who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory god doesn't just give promises he also gives guarantees god gives us his holy spirit he seals us with him he gives us the holy spirit to live in us and to make sure that we get there in the end and here's a little glimpse that we get into the mechanics of salvation. First, you hear the word of truth. You are in a bad place, but there's hope for you because there's good news. There's someone who took your place, someone who paid your debt and took your punishment on himself because he loves you. 
All he asks you is asks of you is to repent of your old ways, to trust him and take his gift for you. You can be saved from your situation. Second, you believe in him. You trust this man so rich in glorious grace. You say, I agree, I am in, in I am in an irredeemable position. Please help me. I know I am a sinner. But you say that you have paid for my debt and I believe you. And that's when God says, I give you my spirit, who will guide you and give you the power to follow me. It's not because you're great, but because I love you and I'm gloriously rich in grace. Wow. What a God who would not only pays for our debt that we have with him, but he also forgives it and promises us the part of where he is and he gives us his own power and guidance to make sure that we make it all the way. This is a God worth, worth praising. This is a glorious God. Just to round off um, our talk this morning, I want to give you a quick summary of the text. And it might be helpful to you. Praise be to God who blessed us in Christ, chose us in Christ, predestined us in Christ, redeemed and forgave us through Christ, gave us an inheritance in Christ and sealed us with the Holy Spirit. And so the applications for the day are, for once, praise God because he is gloriously rich in grace. God chose me in Christ and every truth about being in Christ becomes truth for me once I place my faith in Christ. All those in him, in Christ, in the beloved statements are true of me because I trust him. And I'm safe like in Noah's ark or in Rahab's house. But not only that, I am blessed super abundantly with a tsunami of glorious grace. This week, praise God out loud with your life and your voice. It's a sad week for us, I know. But let's not forget the glorious grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Queen, according to her own testimony, now sees. She's already there. She has acquired the possession of the inheritance that was promised to her by her God. She's praising God already. And if you're not sure if you are in Christ, please, I'm begging with you, with Noah and Rahab in their days. Like Noah and Rahab in their days. Come into safety. Trust Jesus. He loves you so much that he gave his own life for you. That you would be able to live forever, not in this broken world, but in his perfect home. Don't delay Judgment is coming. Noah warned of a flood, Rahab of the collapse of her sit the great and safe city. Both lived in a world where people felt safe, yet the promised judgment came. And only those in the ark and those in Rahab's house were saved. They were saved not because they were better than anybody else, but because they believed the good news. And the good news today is not just come into this boat, come into this house, this time again it is Trust God. Turn from your evil ways. Come to Him. Come to Him who is gloriously rich in grace. His grace has no end. Come.